Welcome back to Keep Idaho Red Radio. I'm Victor Miller. And um, we are on KIDO, 107.5 FM, 580 AM, and we are on KLIX in the Magic Valley. And we're very, very pleased to have today uh, Senator Kelly Anthon. And he is from DECLO. He is in District 27. He's in his fifth term. And he is the majority leader. So good morning to you, Senator Kelly Anthon. Good morning. Nice to be with you today. So, um, Senator, let's first talk about um, just remind people, what is the role of the majority leader and what's it been like being the majority leader with a Senate that is basically half new participants? Well, it's been really great. Um, you know, I've, I've been really blessed to be elected by my colleagues to be the majority leader. And um, what the majority leader is, of course, is the Republican leader for the Idaho State Senate. We have a, a large number of uh, new senators. Uh, they're doing a great job. Uh, one of the things that I do is uh, I order the, the floor sequence every day. So I'm actually called the floor leader. And I make sure that the business of the Senate moves forward uh, quickly, that um, the Republican goals are met on that floor, and that also that we do help those new senators get along and, and make sure that they understand the process and that they can accomplish some of their uh, priorities as well. And just quickly remind people, how is the flow on the Senate floor different than the House, because the, I think the Speaker of the House sets the, uh, really determines what bills will come in. What, how does that work in the Senate? Yeah, that's a great question. So there is a little bit of difference there because the Senate is presided over by the executive branch member, which is Lieutenant Governor. So whereas in the House, the Speaker of the House is a member of the body and gets to vote, uh, in the Senate, uh, the Lieutenant Governor only presides over the actual process. Uh, so what that means is that the majority leader and the president pro tem of the Senate really control the ebb and flow of the legislative process on the floor, which is a little different than the House. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about we've we've been um, had uh, our treasurer, Julie Ellsworth, on several times, and uh, she's been talking lately a lot about uh, ESG. So that's environmental, social, and governance, right? So let's talk about I believe that you're going to be bringing an ESG bill, and so maybe talk a little bit about your ESG bill, and if you know of others that may be coming to the floor and how they may be different or similar to the bill that you're bringing. Yeah, thank you. I think in the next week or two, you will see three pieces of legislation introduced into the Idaho legislature. I believe they'll start in the House. One of those is my bill, um, and what, what I realized was that I received reports there are institutions in Idaho, public institutions, that rather than following the regular course of bidding uh, to determine who's the most qualified and who has the lowest cost to the taxpayer, instead, uh, these public institutions have decided to look at you know, the social makeup of the company, its uh, racial uh, and, and uh, uh, otherwise makeup of their employees, uh, they're looking at their environmental stances and those kinds of things, and they are actually awarding contracts outside of the, the questions of is this the most qualified and is this uh, the least cost of the taxpayer. So my bill will put an end to that and it will make sure that um, when that public bidding process takes place, we follow the traditional path that we've always done to protect the taxpayer. Uh, other bills that I know are coming forward are some regulations regarding banks to make sure that uh, the Idaho banks don't use these arbitrary, you know, qualification to determine who gets a loan and who gets to use the banks. 
And then finally, I understand that there will be another bill with regard to possible public contracts uh, coming to the Idaho legislature as well. So why did you feel it was so important to take this, <clears throat> this bill up? Uh, I imagine you talked about the impact to the taxpayer, maybe in, to the impact to the company itself that is being denied. Why did you think that this was such an important thing for you to do? Well, as a conservative Republican, first of all, you know, we believe in the market. And when you start tinkering in this way using ESG standards, you're interrupting the regular coursework, you know, courses of the market. And so I'm, I'm there to protect the market. I'm there to protect the taxpayer. And I really don't believe, as somebody who's represented a lot of local government as an attorney over the years, uh, that we should be taking these subjective standards to determine how you spend public dollars. You know, you just mentioned the taxpayer. And last week we had like a property tax extravaganza. Or like we had three guests uh, with Speaker House Moyle. We had Jason Monks and we also had Senator Groh all talking about property tax bills that they were uh, bringing in, that they were interested in. And you have um, your own kind of take on what you want to get done on property taxes. So maybe um, add to the dialogue, what, what do you want to do? What's your, what do you most care about? Yeah. Well, again, you know, I think uh, the Republican Party always tries to stay focused on keeping regulations low and taxes low. And one of the things that we see ebbing upwards in Idaho is the property tax bill. Uh, that each of our voters are receiving in their mail twice a year. And so what we want to do is uh, you know, generally make sure that we are not letting our taxes get too high with, when it comes to property taxes. The increase in property values in Idaho is driving up the property tax uh, bill that people are paying. But what is more particularly uh, a problem, I think, in Idaho is that for low-income uh, disabled veterans, the blind, uh, widows, and so forth, the property tax relief program is no longer functioning. And so I'm going to be introducing a bill, actually I've just introduced it, it'll be coming to committee to make sure that we make the, the, the necessary adjustments to that program, it's called the circuit breaker, uh, to assure that people don't have to choose between buying medicine and keeping their homes. And that is a real, a real problem. Uh, even in my home district uh, in Kaja County and Minidoka County, We've had some very uh, vulnerable Idahoans thrown off of this program over a statutory glitch, and it is causing them to make those hard decisions, and I just want to get that fixed. So what is a circuit breaker, and how do you envision the circuit breaker working? Would it be means-tested? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so the circuit break program, it's also called the Property Tax Relief Program of Idaho. It, it identifies a certain class of people these are the elderly, these are disabled veterans, this is, uh, these are people with other uh, disabilities who uh, in the course of their life have found themselves in a position where they can no longer pay their property taxes because of their situation. And so what do, what do you do? Do you just throw them out of their home? You know, and that's something we're not really interested in. And so what we are, as the Circuit Breaker do, does, and Circuit Breaker is kind of a nickname for the program, is it allows some of the state general fund to backfill the property tax needs in the county. And in so doing, it provides relief to those people who don't have the income to pay their taxes while keeping them in their homes for the, the course of their life. Uh, it's been around a long time, it's nothing new. It's been a very successful program. In recent years, there was an added uh, component to the qualification process where they looked at uh, the median home price in the county and what your, how your home price stacks up to it. 
And again, it was kind of arbitrary. And what it did is it threw a, a whole bunch of people who relied on that program off the program. And, and that is also uh, due in part to the extreme upward swing of our home prices. So just need some adjustments. I think we'll get that done. And, and it's, it's going to be a great result if we can get that legislation through. That does seem like great work. So let's, you're on other two other committees. You're on Judicial and Rules Committee. Last week, uh, Speaker of the House Moyle mentioned that he wanted to do some work on judicial appointments and the fact that the vast majority of judges seem to be appointed, ultimately not elected. So maybe talk a little bit about that and um, what you see the Senate doing there. Sure. Well, you got to start with the understanding that the Idaho Constitution and our founding fathers of the Idaho Constitution felt very strongly that judges should be elected by our people and that their values should be in alignment with the community values. And uh, what has happened in Idaho over the years is that we've gone to more of a system of appointing judges through a uh, bureaucratic process that I think needs some fine tuning at least. And so we're gonna make some effort to uh, reevaluate the judicial appointment process and make sure that we're keeping with uh, the ideals of the Idaho Constitution, which is something that we've all taken an oath to uphold. So when you talk about them being elected, it seems right now that a lot of them are appointed. So can you talk to people about what you're actually seeing in terms of how judges are being seated and what you'd ultimately like to see instead? Well, what we'd like to see is, again, a process that even if they're appointed, that the appointment follows a process that allows the community values to be represented. And in particular, we'd like to have some more flexibility for the, on the part of the governor uh, we would like to have more input on who gets to do the appointing, which right now is the, the Judicial Council uh, who sends in names. Uh, and so these are all processes outside of the electorate. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to get the process turned back to the way the Constitution contemplates. And that is that the people who vote get to choose who their judges are. So you're also on the uh, State Affairs Committee, and a lot of a tremendous number of bills come through the State Affairs Committee of all sorts, especially ones that deal with social issues, for example. Uh, can you tell us what are you seeing right now? What's coming through the State Affairs Committee? Is the State Affairs Committee uh, driving any bills that they'll send to the House? Maybe just give us a, a quick update on what's happening in the State Affairs Committee. Well, I can tell you that this year has been a little bit slower when it comes to uh, the introduction of legislation. But the State Affairs Committee is important, as you said, with regard to social issues. And in particular, we deal with stuff like abortion. Uh, we deal with uh, protecting our Second Amendment rights. And uh, for that reason, a Senate leadership is always placed on that committee to make sure that the Republican values and the conservative values of the state of Idaho are represented. Uh, so we're, we are going to see some bills that make sure that we continue to be, you know, the number one state for gun owners, uh, that we continue to protect life, and that we do those things that really do reflect the values of most Idahoans. So as you look at the next week or so, what are, what are some of the bills, we have about a minute left, what are some of the bills and things that you particularly want Idahoans to really support and get behind? Well, I know it's very controversial, but I think we need to have a continued dialogue about the initiative process in Idaho. Uh, all you got to do is look to California and you'll find out that the initiative process can be used to take over a state. And in particular, it disadvantages rural communities if you're not careful. Look to California, you'll find out that they have regulated the heck 
out of uh, agricultural production. So as somebody who represents farms and farmers and dairies, I want to be really tuned into that issue and make sure we're doing what's right. We have about another 30 seconds. So what would you like to see in terms of the initiative? What would you like to see a change? I'd like to see uh, the initiative process remain in the Idaho Constitution. It's very important for our people to be able to bring matters to the legislature. But I don't want a, a process that only relies on the urban areas of the state. They need to engage in the rural areas. They need to gather signatures in the rural areas. And they need to, to make sure that rural ideas and rural issues are represented in those ballot initiatives. And that's my goal. Well, we're very grateful uh, to spend some time with Senator Kelly Anthon, who's the majority leader in the Senate. And uh, we're very grateful for your time today, sir. And uh, we're, we'll be right back with another segment of Keep Idaho Red Radio.